It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are live from Mobile, Alabama on the Fantasy Points Podcast. This is a momentous occasion. I have been listening to Take Talk for, what, two years now? Been working with you for close to three years. This is the first time I'm sitting face-to-face with Brett Whitefield. Um, In this day and age, you meet somebody even after two years after you work with them. And the cool thing is, by the way, I'm Drew Dolan, uh, in in case you didn't know my voice. Uh, But the cool thing is with meeting Brett right now is I could see him in his element for the first time. I don't know. It's like... It's like if I um if, if the first time I ever met Mick Jagger was on stage with the Rolling Stones, you know, not just like shopping for groceries or something. Um, it's good to be with everybody here on the Fantasy Points Podcast. We are in Mobile, Alabama for the 2024 Senior Bowl. And as they say here at the Senior Bowl, the draft starts in Mobile, Brett Whitefield. We uh, just finished up watching day one of the practices for both the national and the American team. And we're going to talk about, we're going to take a narrower focus on this podcast. It is a fantasy football podcast. So we're going to focus on the skill position players. Uh, Brett is Brett's going to watch tape on all the players, including offensive linemen and the defensive players. And those will be in the Fantasy Points Prospect Guide at some point later this spring, Brett. But we were really focusing on these skill position players today it was a warm day in mobile i look like uh, aaron eckhart in the dark night right now because uh we were sitting on the same side of the field and um the sun was coming down just on our left side um i have a little bit of color i probably should have packed some sunscreen uh, how are you doing today my friend uh we got a lot of good observations here we want to see you yes we do i'm doing great joe this is awesome getting to, to sit in the same room with you um, you know that that's like almost better than the Senior Bowl itself, honestly. Wow, <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> My big observation of the day, though, is that the sun really likes you. Yeah, you are you are dark. I've been working up a little bit too. I have this really hilarious uh, sunburn spot on my head where my my hat didn't have any you know shade protection. So we're uh, we're, we're doing good though. The, the weather. So the weather. So you, this is your first time down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. The weather here is really hit or miss like there's years it will be 40 degrees and rainy there's years it will be 80 and sunny today was probably the perfect day 65 70 degrees sunny couldn't ask for better weather so yeah I mean, it's going to be beautiful tomorrow, too. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. Um, I have some prior engagements. Hopefully my mom's not listening to this podcast because the prior engagement is we made a did a 70th birthday party for my mom. Uh, and she's going to be surprised to see us. I don't think she's going to listen to this, but uh, I, I, I hope she doesn't go to the gym tomorrow and decide to turn on the podcast. Anyway, I think you'll be back with Scott Barrett tomorrow to break down day two. Yep. And then we'll, we'll talk about day three maybe next week once we get all of our observations together. But uh, just just for the format uh, of this podcast and so people who are listening know, I guess we're going to try – this is going to – it's hard to make this a dynasty podcast from a fantasy perspective right. simply because we don't know where these players are going. And it's so landing spot dependent because I think a lot of the players here at the Senior Bowl of the skill position players, not including quarterbacks, because I think a couple of the quarterbacks we saw today um, are going to be in the first round conversation, if not more than a couple of the quarterbacks we saw today. It's actually a really good group of quarterbacks, none of whom really stood out, but we'll, t- we'll talk about that later. I don't know if there's any real 
first round skill position guys here at the senior bowl at the running back wide receiver tight end position certainly not the tight end position i don't think um wide receiver maybe some of these guys sneak in but this is mostly going to be i think day two and three guys but quite frankly brett there were some really interesting performances we saw here and most of that to me as a first-time senior bowl goer was in the morning practice I, I think that's just a coincidence it's not that the morning practice is always stronger i just felt like there were more standout yeah. offensive players on on the national team in the morning yeah for sure when when i looked at the way the rosters broke down like the the national roster for example it naturally did have more talent at wide receiver and when you're when you're scouting skill players, you're going to gravitate towards those wide receiver DB one on one. So it was pretty easy to be like kind of blown away. Um, the receivers definitely got the best of the, that DB group, no doubt about that. But I mean, you're talking between five and six day two receivers in that group, so they it just looked awesome. Yeah, let's start with that wide receiver position. Um, we'll get to the quarterbacks because it is a very good group, as I mentioned, but. Your guy coming into today, and you told me you let's just let, let's just put it out there. You're playing the game. You told me you in you purposely did not rank Ricky Pearsall from Florida as your number one receiver because you wanted the opportunity to move him up. This is true. He the first rep I saw him take in one-on-ones, he slipped, and we were like, uh-oh, like non-contact. That it's it's the field turf or the artificial turf. You're like, oh no, you never want to see that. He kind of got up gingerly. Then he walked back to the the position group, the 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 the, uh, the layup line, if you want to call it like yeah. that. And all he did the rest of the one on one session was win. He was this this is a guy who he's got decent size to him. You think he has some inside outside versatility, and he was winning in the short, the intermediate, the deep. Um, I think he had Penn State corner Kalen King and a grinder a couple of times. Ricky Pearsall from Florida, to you and, and to me, and you have the better trained eyes, a, a winner from day one of the senior bowl here. Yeah, I think regardless of what position they play, skill or D-line, O-line, I think he was the standout player today. Like, he stole the show. He put the rest of the senior bowl guys on notice, especially that DB room. He looked Phenomenal. You, you talked about the versatility, like the six, 195 pounds ish with a really good wingspan. Like I think he can play outside today. They the seven on sevens in uh team team workout. They're using it mostly in the slot, but you know, Florida using that way as well, but he can definitely win the outside. You saw it in the one on ones. He's got the speed to stack, get off press, generate separation. He's a separatist as Hanson would call it. Um, I mean, he, he dominated one-on-ones, absolutely dominated outside of that first rep where he slipped. Uh, so you have a term that you use for Ricky Pearsall, um, and you you drafty types. You love coming up with descriptive terms that I think you instantaneously know what they mean, even if you've never heard it before. You say he has arrogant hands. Yeah. Can you describe arrogant hands and, and how Ricky Pearsall uses them? Arrogant hands, I describe it as simple as this. There is not a, a ball, if it, if he can get to it, where he doesn't think he, can, he can't catch it. It does not matter where that ball is, where it's located. And then when he does it, when he does make the catch inevitably, um, he doesn't act like it's anything new. It doesn't really celebrate. just kind of gets up like it's go, – go put on Charlotte, his Charlotte tape. He has, I showed you the play today where he's running up the seam. It's the OBJ play all over again. Goes up with one hand, plucks the ball out of the air while getting absolutely demolished by a safety. 
hangs out on the ball, doesn't even celebrate, just gets up, jogs back to the huddle. That's what I mean. Eric means like he knows his hands are bad and he flaunts it. Bad as in good. Yes. Yeah. But we, we got to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I want to bring up a player who stood out to me in uh, immediately. He's a guy you didn't actually have ranked. Um. Uh. In terribly highly of the of this group, Brett. Um. But I think he's a player who, in the right situation, could become a real difference maker. Everybody's always looking for Debo Samuel, right? Yeah. If there's one of this group at the Senior Bowl, I think it's Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. And I think, I believe he took either the first or second rep of 1v1s. And the first thing I saw was the corner was pressing him. Corley went right up into his face and pushed him off. He's like, get out of my way. I'm going to catch this ball. Ran a quick slant, got wide open. He calls himself on his Twitter feed. Um, he was actually, it's funny, I, I mentioned how Malachi Corley was very impressive after the catch. Um, he ended up retweeting that. Uh, after practice, he must have gone to look for his press club. He must have felt like he had a great practice. Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to name search if he didn't think he had a great practice. Um, and he retweeted it. And it, on his Twitter feed, he calls himself the Yak King. Like So that's what he calls himself. And uh, I can see that. And he has the, what I call the Golden Tate build. He's got a he, he's rock, he's got a great lower body, but he's shorter and he's stout. So I feel like that's kind of the prototype for actually came to Western Kentucky yeah. as a running back. Um, I feel like what I saw today showed the versatility that you probably want to keep him at receiver in the NFL. I think he's got that kind of skill. But Malachi Corley was a winner today, in yeah. my mind, from what I saw just from day one of practices. For sure. When you, uh, for those listening, he's 5'10, 215 pounds. So when you talk short and stocky, yeah. For the receiver position, that's unheard of. That's like extra next level short and stocky. But to your point, Joe, you know, um, if you guys read my senior bowl primer, uh, you'll see it came out this morning. So it's not like you missed it. If you do go keep it, I I give a nice anecdote in there about Terry McLaurin um, and and kind of the purpose of the senior bowl practices. And one of the things I'm always looking for is can a guy show me a skill he didn't have an opportunity to show me in college? And Malachi Corley, Corley did that for me today. Coming into the week, I thought he was just a yak guy. You're going to scheme up a lot of stuff for him. Not really a nuanced route runner coming from that Western Kentucky offense. Well, he kind of proved me a little bit wrong today. His ability to get off press was a skill he added that I didn't know that he had, and he did it with ease. He, he displaced coverage multiple times in one-on-ones. The coaches made a concerted effort to get him those press looks. You know, coming from that, that you know, YKU offense, Joe, he yep. played just has a lot of space, a lot of speed touches. We see a lot of receivers come out of that offense where they're catching 120, 130 guys a year. And he's the next guy up. But, man, getting off press coverage is something those other guys have been able to do. He showed me a skill today that I didn't know he had. And for that, I think he's uh, he's going to come up a little bit higher on my list. You know, um, he stood out to me a little bit more than Roman Wilson of Michigan did. But uh, from the observers that I've been looking at, just uh, their, their first reactions, Roman Wilson was a guy who really stood out. They, You know, he looked a little smaller to me, than his measured size. I think he measured in at like 5'11", somewhere around there, 180-some pounds. Do you have the official weight for Roman Wilson? Yeah, it's like 5'10", and 6'8", and 186 pounds. Okay, so they listed him at Michigan at 6'195". There's always a little give, give and take. He actually looked even smaller than that to me. But this is a player you really like, somebody who probably profiles more as a slot in the NFL. But um, the thing about him, 
that coaches are probably going to love. Number one, um, you mentioned this to me when we were sitting in the stands. Michigan guys in the passing game, you have to grade them on a curve statistically because they were a run-first team. But seeing as they were a run-first team, Roman Wilson was a part of that. It's yep. coached into their DNA that you've got to go chew on a face mask every now and again in the run game. And that playing personality kind of shows up with him and not necessarily from the type of player that he physically is, that kind of playing personality that he has. Absolutely. He's feisty across the board. I mean, shoot, Joe, even that contested catch he made down on the sidelines. Like, yeah. you would not – I'll try to paint the picture, but basically caught a ball between safety and corner. He's got a safety draped all over him. The corner literally ripping at the ball as he's coming down with it, you know, on the sideline. And he held on to the ball. That's really not typical for a 5'10", 185-pound receiver to be able to come down with that pass, and, and he did it. And, you know, one of the things with the Michigan guys or, or anyone that plays in an offensive side is like – there's just no volume there. There's not a lot of tape. You know, he's running 20, 20 to 25 routes a game. He's run blocking for us. Uh, so, yeah, I, Roman, this is a, a big week for him, a really big opportunity for him to come and show that he's not just, you know, a speed demon in a, a low-volume offense. Like he actually went out, ran some routes, was good at the catch point. Um, another guy that I think added some value to his resume today. Um, let's f- focus on one more wide receiver. Po- let's go. We're going to talk two more wide receivers positively. I'm going to save the best for last because I want the, the Scott Barrett, Brett Whitefield war to simmer a little <laughs> bit. Um, the first is Jerry's kid. Yeah. Brendan Rice out of USC. Yes. Jerry Rice's son. I'm going to say. Body type not similar. Brendan Rice is bigger than Jerry Rice. Um, he had a good he had a good day though. There was some up and down for Brendan Rice out of USC though. Yeah, he so Rice is a guy like I didn't love his college tape to be honest. He has moments, um, a lot of contested catchability, you know, really strong at the catch point stuff like that. And it's kind of awkward in a USC offense that really predicates itself on space and getting guys. In space. So for that body type and that skill set to work, it's just kind of awkward on tape. So. Today he comes in, you know, you see the side. He he really does pop off. The, you know, we weren't watching tape, but pops off the field when you watch him. Like, he, he is big. He has a presence. 6'2", 215, you know, really long arms. Like, you, you can definitely – he sticks out like a sword gun. And he uses that he size. Uses that that awesome. 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 Today. Really, really strong. contact. Now, I don't love – you know, we are talking about areas to improve. I didn't love his ability getting off press today. He was really reluctant to keep his hands. Um, kind of had his hands down on his waist often when he's trying to get off press. Um, so he's got some technique stuff to clean up, but given the bloodline, I'm going to, you know, surely bet work on that. But the route running was really, really good compared to what I saw on tape. So, um, you know, the, the Lincoln Riley offense, it's not a lot of nuanced route running. It's a lot of over routes, a lot of screens, verts. Uh, uh, but Rice, Rice, on the today for a bigger body receiver, I thought he moved really well. Let's focus on um... – Another bigger body receiver. Uh, this might be more on the negative. He had a really tough year at North Carolina because uh, Devontae Walker, Tez Walker, as he goes by, he had um, he had an eligibility issue. He really didn't get cleared until midway through the season. You want to talk about a guy who pops off the field in terms of his size, but there was there were certainly some struggles, a little baby giraffe to him. I thought, on the other hand, you see the size, and he was also the fastest skill player by GPS in the morning practice. Yeah. So when you see the size of a Tez Walker, maybe the relative lack of experience, given you know the fact that he missed half the season, 
there's going to be something for teams to like, but I, I think I'd like to see more from Taz Walker going forward here. Yeah, for sure. He So, like, I think the one thing that was a little surprising is the if you've never watched uh, an NFL practice or a college practice, like they do these one-on-one drills, these periods where the drill is really, it's the, the deck is stacked against the defensive backs. Like it is designed to make the receivers look good. And, and even despite that, Tez couldn't really get anything going in the short intermediate part of the game. Like those short routes, like he was getting jammed up at the line of scrimmage. You mentioned the baby deer element to it. He just looked a little uncoordinated, lack of nuance and, and precision with his route running. All that was a mess. And when you see him run on a vertical, you're like, holy crap. The guy has speed for days, the ability to stack DBs, get him uncomfortable, threaten that outside shoulder. Like, all of that is excellent. His ball tracking ability. So it's like he no doubt is going to get a big opportunity in the NFL just because of that package alone. The question is, is like, is he capped at just being a deep threat only guy or can he develop his game a little bit to kind of become a more, you know, I guess a high volume type receiver? Let's get into the guy who is going to be, I think, the model of the analytic models versus the tape guys, the football guys player this year. That's going to be Lad McConkey, the receiver from Georgia. Every t- I consider you a tape guy. Our, our, we've been spending a lot of time with our guy Fran Duffy from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Dane Brugler was sitting there today. The film guys freaking love Lad McConkey. Adore him. The analytical guys are going to see a late breakout age. They're going to see not the greatest size, not the greatest movement, not the greatest production. And there is going to be a divide between, I think, I already said the Scott Barrett-Brett Whitefield war. You like to say you won all those wars last year uh, of your guys versus his guys. But I think there is going to be a storm brewing here. But Lad McConkey, to these eyes, was a pretty freaking good receiver here on day one of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and when you talk about how lackluster the second practice was, he was, you know, a bright spot considering. He was kind of the guy we were all like, oh, McConkey's on our side. You yeah. Know, like, everybody was like, that's the guy I want to watch. Yeah, and from the very first rep of the day for him, he dominated. And uh, I, I think Sands, Ricky Purcell, he probably had the best day of practice. I mean, he was he was awesome. What I love about him is there's really not anything he can't do. He can get vertical. He's just such a route technician. You trust him to get separation on just about any route. He's a separatist, again, as Mr. Hansen would say. Um, you, you, the, all the tape, all the traits you look for, he's there. I am the, the early comp I've thrown out, and it's a dangerous one because this could come back to haunt me one day. But from him. Wait, no, that's not allowed, Brett. I, uh, I don't I, think Amon Ross White. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. It's funny. Everyone in the stands trying to search for a comp for him. They're all naming white guys. I'm like, well, how about Amon Ra? Amon Ra, he's, he's mixed. You know, he's mixed. His, his mom is white. So it's close. I don't know. Like, I, I just see the yeah. similar movement, similar like the condition element to it. I see all of that. I just feel like. Like that's the that's the game he should model his game after. He already has to an extent. So I've I've seen the um one of the clips. It was on the far it was on the far sideline. So if you were watching the Senior Bowl uh, on NFL Network, it, it was on to me the the far sideline would have been the the right sideline. He would have been going up to the right side of, of the offensive formation, and he um and he just completely set up a, a defensive back subtly, but the defensive back basically kept dropping. And McConkey not only did he run kind of an out, but he also pulled the route back towards the quarterback a little bit, just creating that extra yard or two. He was already wide-ass open, but just became more wide-ass open. And uh, I think uh, Mr. Duffy 
what was sitting there while we were watching that. He said, I think he just said, take your breakout agent, shove it with that route. That's yes. what he, it was. There was a couple of those routes where um, I feel like that's the area where he's going to win is more the intermediate, but you think he can get deep too. Yeah, he can't. I mean, he was well. So when I throw the Amon Ra comp out there, by the way, I'm talking when I watched Amon Ra's college tape, this is what it reminded me of. And Amon Ra won vertically a lot in college. And then that's dipped a little bit in the NFL because that's not really his like his athletic profile does just dictates he's not going to be a great vertical threat. I think it's the same for Lad. Lad has a lot of production on deep, you know, deep routes in the uh at Georgia. A lot of double move type stuff. Things Amon Ra was also really good at. So I do think he has the technician. He's the detail oriented route running that it, that is required to be good on deep stuff. But I do agree that he will make a living in the short and intermediate part of the field. Uh, well, a couple more receivers just to focus on. I don't want to like blow the cover for what you guys are going to be talking about in, in the upcoming podcast. Uh, two other big guys. And one of them uh, that I think you really want to point out, Johnny Wilson from Florida State. All right. When when you talk about jump off tape i mean he jumps off the tape when he's standing still because he's a monster he florida state's tight end is here at the yeah. senior bowl johnny wilson the wide receiver is bigger than yes. florida state's tight end and you think there's a reason for that you think he's a tight end at the next level i think he's a tight end i i you know not to like go verbatim with the article we just put out joe but elijah higgins last year stanford wide receiver had a lot of hype coming into the week the first route i watched the guy run i said he's a tight end kind of that baby deer to his game a little bit, a little uncoordinated, but ultimately for Wilson, it's just the, it's just an inability to turn and stop quickly. It's like trying to slam the brakes of a semi truck. If he's working a hitch or a comeback or a speed turn, it's really tough. It's really tough for him. He looks like a tight end. He's six, six, almost two, 250 pounds. That is there any receiver league that's like Darren Waller is the closest guy to that? That's what position Darren Waller plays. He's tight end. Juwan Johnson, yeah. who's shorter than that, by the way, yeah. but tight end. Yeah, that so I mean he definitely stands out to me in, in that regard. And by the way, you know, and and maybe he's receptive to it. I, I'm sure he's gonna be asked about it. Yeah. This is a class where if he were to play tight end, he can stand out because it is it was really hard for me. To, to pick a standout tight end from this group. The, the most athletic we saw was Theo Johnson from Penn State, who's also a, yeah. a big, yeah. powerful guy. But Johnny Wilson, um, I think, has the ability to, to stand out. And, you know, some team's going to look at that and say, all right, he might be one of the best tight ends in this class. Yeah, when we call, when we call Theo Johnson athletic, we're – adjusting for his size already so like he's athletic for his size he was the fastest tight end by gps in the morning practice it wasn't close either right? not yeah. even close yeah so but there were defensive ends who were faster than every tight end that's true that's true um yeah so johnny wilson i think you know is gonna have to play tight end i i would be shocked if if i because i don't see a world where, where someone thinks they can line him up on the outside or even in the slot um the, the added bonus of him being in line and running routes from the inline is He's not going to get pressed. He's not going to be working those deep comebacks, deep hitches that you have to have in your route arsenal if you're going to play on the outside. Um, he's going to be given space. The The setting down of the route is more a feel against zone coverages where it's not – he doesn't have a landmark necessarily he has to get to. He's he's feeling it out. So I think it will benefit his overall package, which is an attractive one, by the way. We're not dumping on Johnny Wilson. We, I just think a position change is needed. Um, let's get to what I want to touch briefly on the quarterbacks because it, it is a very good group here yes. for, for the senior bowl. You said it rivals to you, the 2020 group that had 
Um, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts uh, was here in 2020. Some yep. other guys were here. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm missing somebody who was here in 20. Was Jordan Love here? Yes, Jordan Love. Jordan Love was, was here. Jordan. Yeah, so I was not here for that, but um, I don't know if, if it's going to have a guy who goes as high as Justin Herbert went in the draft. But um, the the national team, the morning crack, the three quarterbacks for that team were Bo Nix. Um, we had Michael Penix and Sam Hartman. Those are three big name quarterbacks. The afternoon session had Spencer Rattler, uh, Tulane's quarterback, whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, uh, Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt. Uh, was there Joe Milton from Tennessee yep. and Gus Bradley's kid, who actually is the quarterback at South Alabama. He was there as well. Um, there was a clear disparity for me. Um, between the, the morning session quarterbacks and the afternoon session quarterbacks. Just from my observation, though, having spent more time watching the morning session quarterbacks, um, I thought Michael Penix threw the ball the best of, of the three. Um, it, it, I think it's hilarious that you're going to try to get comparisons and everybody's going to say Tua because Michael Penix is a lefty. Fran Duffy was actually mentioning to me, he goes, you are literally going to see guys mirror image Michael Penix to try to get a better comparison for him because your brain sometimes can't escape the yeah. lefty quarterback thing. Um, but honestly, to me, and I'm not, I'm not saying Michael Penix is going to be a top 10 draft pick, but I think he's an easier thrower of the football than Tua is. I think, I think, he's, a, I think he's a quicker thrower. Uh, his release is quicker. I think he has more zip on the ball. You think he needs to work on his touch, though, which is something Tua definitely has. Yeah, touch layering throws where he's not throwing to a spot. You know, he's got to put touch on it. That's He struggled with that a little bit. You saw that in the, the national championship game, actually. Um, but, yeah, he's got some mechanical issues, I think, that contribute to that. He's a little – you know, his lower half is very disjointed from his upper half. So it's all arm right now. So it's hard to put touch on a ball when you you have you know a lot of mechanical deficiencies. So I think that's something that will get developed. Um, the arm talent though is is wild. It pot like the ball just flies off his hand. I would say Tua is a good comp for him if you gave Tua the Winter Soldier's arm. I see. Uh, so the, the, the Sebastian Stan arm. Yeah, the, the Sebastian Stan. Yeah. The mechanical. You know. Yeah, but the yeah, two like you said, Tua layers is he he feathers his throws a little bit better than Penix does. Bo Nix missed some throws, I thought. I thought Sam Hartman, who Sam Hartman to me is just he is a classic day three NFL quarterback. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, to me, his delivery is a little loopy. Um, he doesn't have a really strong arm. Adam Kaplan was was sitting with us, and he called him Giant Gardner Minshew. And I think that's how teams are going to view Sam Hartman. That guy, it, you and I were discussing, and you mentioned he's going to be like the Aiden O'Connell. Depending yep. on where he lands, you wouldn't be surprised he made a couple starts as a rookie. Not at all, yeah. I mean, he's I, – I don't know how many career dropbacks he has, but I have to imagine it's over, it's over 2,000. He's played a ton of games. That experience is super valuable for teams, you know. And not a lot of teams are going to see or have a starter grade on him, which means they're thinking backup. That experience for a backup quarterback is huge because ultimately your your job is to like game plan for the next opponent and get ready. But yeah, if he lands in the right spot, like Aiden O'Connell, I think he could potentially get some starts as a rookie. Um, the afternoon session quarterbacks. I think the the one who was most intriguing was Spencer Rattler. You he can spin the ball, um, but the mistake still showed up. He threw, he threw an interception in 11 on 11s. No, like triple coverage. <laughs> and you were just like, Oh, that was not good Spencer. Um, but the, the, the ball does pop off his hand. One thing we didn't see today that you had mentioned you would have liked to see more is I don't think we saw Joe Milton push the ball down the field. And if there's one thing you want to see Joe Milton do, it's push the ball down. The yeah. Field. And, and some of that isn't his fault. That second practice show was brutal. 
there was it was low energy. The offensive install was they were running spot spacing, slant flat. There was nothing going downfield. Like, the defense, by the way, was getting better. The offensive yeah, line, yeah, as well. yeah. Defense absolutely dominated. That at one point they had three tackles for a loss and a sack in a four for a four play stretch. I mean, not a good offensive install day for them. Um, you know, it, it does. It's funny because the talent does skew to the other team. So I wonder if maybe uh, the rosters are a little unbalanced in that regard. The offense doesn't have enough gas. But that said, you know, we we got to see Milton push the ball downfield. That's I mean, everyone knows he can do it, I guess. So maybe you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who, who is the um the, the receiver, the small receiver? Was it Cowan who? Cowan who weighs 160 pounds, and they were deliberately lining him up in a press situation, which yeah. no NFL team's ever going to do. But you just wanted to see how he performed in that yeah. way. Maybe that's what you want to do with Joe Milton. Yeah. yeah, you just want to make sure – you just want to check boxes. You know, you want to check boxes, make sure a guy like Cowing you – know, maybe if he can get off press, like, oh, well, we can use him on the outside a little bit. He's not just a slot guy. He can't, so he's probably just a slot guy. But Milton, you want to see him throw in you know, timing, rhythm – a little bit of anticipation on those intermediate window throws, which he still didn't throw any of those either. Everything was short. Uh, but, yeah, ho- hopefully as the week develops on, we get a little more uh, Milton uncorking the arm. We actually got a couple of interesting running backs um, in, in here in, at the Senior Bowl. And the one who stood out to me in, in the morning session, you actually didn't write him up yet in your – um, in your Senior Bowl fantasy preview, review, primer, whatever we're going to call it, uh, is Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Um, yeah. I call it – he's an R1 guy, R1-L1 guy. And if you'll remember, that's the old Madden on PlayStation 2 or NCAA yep. where the, the jump cut was so overpowered with, with R1-L1. They weren't jukes. They were legitimately overpowered jump cuts. And you could string them together because there was no, like, fatigue factor that would limit them. Marshawn Lloyd is a stop-start guy. He made catches in the passing game. He had some explosive runs. This was an exciting player to me uh, and somebody who, in in my personal opinion, had a stock-up kind of day. Yeah, compared to the other running backs, he looked really explosive. And he's a big guy. He's almost 220 pounds. To see that level of explosiveness, that jump cut is disgusting. And, you know, when you put on the college shape, that's exactly what you see. You see a guy who breaks a ton of tackles. That's his game. Um, when he's got a move that's that elite, he should be able to repeat that at the next level. Yards after contact, all that stuff. But what really impressed me, Joe, is he was applying that quickness, that lateral explosiveness to the pass game. And some of those one-on-one passes, they saw, we saw it at the, the last rep of practice, actually. They brought him back out to do a 1v1 drill against a linebacker, and he absolutely annihilated him. He kind of uses that jump cut and break out of his routes, running like a you know, like an H5, like a, a a running back out route, basically, where he comes up through the A-gap, he presses the linebacker, he kind of initiates contact on purpose, and then you know, he's got a two-way go, he can go left or right, you know, flips the jump cut, breaks, wide open, easy play. Um, looked really good in the pass game, which is an area he wasn't really used at when he was at South Carolina and then eventually uh, USC, the the real USC. Yeah, the, don't tell my uh, neighbors in Greenville, South Carolina, that the that Southern Cal is the real USC. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he went to both of them. Um, the one guy who really stood out too, you said, oh my Lord, he can move. This is um, New Hampshire running back, Dylan Lobb. And you're like, wow, he can move. Turns out, he was the fastest running back of the morning practice from GPS. So there you go. Your eyes did not deceive you. Um, he's uh, like Fran Duffy. I, I asked him his comp and he said, because he's watched him. I don't think you've seen his tape yet. I haven't. No. He said, I am so sorry, but he is Danny Woodhead. 
No. Yes. He said, I'm so I'm so sorry, but like uh by the way, Danny Woodhead was a fantasy stud. He was. Uh, this kid, this kid, watch out. He's got I think he's a little bigger than Woodhead, yes. but he's got he's got versatility, he's got size, got invited. He's making a name for himself in the early going. I saw him, he was one of the social media superstars, just like people tweeting about him. I was like, who's this kid? Don't be surprised if you see his name called on, on day three in the NFL draft. Yeah, first exposure to him today, I was very impressed. Every time he touched the ball, it looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Um, look In the past game, too, it looked that way. So I'm actually – when we get back to the hotel tonight, Joe, and you know I'm all alone here in the suite by myself, I'll probably pop on some Dylan Laub tape and get after it. Uh, do you have a bottle of whiskey here to do it with? Do I, I don't, but I can I can fix that. Yeah, yeah, you, could, you should probably get one because Scott's coming up. Uh, and I don't know what Scott's poison is. I think his poison is more Mountain Dew. But uh, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see when when Scott gets here. Uh, one more running back to touch on. He's your number one back here. Um, it's Ray Davis from Kentucky, and I think everybody's starting to to lean this way. It almost feels like utility in the passing game is now a prerequisite to be really highly ranked in these prospects. Uh, I know you and I were kind of play fighting a little bit about Jameer Gibbs. You still don't like the fact that the lions used the 12th pick on Jameer Gibbs. I said that picks a hit. It's a home run. I don't, I don't care. Obviously in hindsight, I don't care where he was drafted. He's a difference maker. You think Ray Davis, maybe not to the Jameer Gibbs level, but he can be a difference maker in multiple ways at the next level. Yeah, for sure. I like, Last year was Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears got himself into the second round, right? Was he, he a second he round was pick? A third round okay. pick because uh, the, I, I think the knee played into that because he True. doesn't have the cartilage. That's right. So I think Ray Davis could definitely go in that you know day two range. I would early day two even maybe maybe round two actually. So he he's so explosive in the past game. Kentucky used him. Uh, he had multiple targets in college, 20-plus yards downfield, like naturally, too. I'm not talking scramble drill. I'm talking design targets where he's getting targeted 20-plus yards downfield. That's very rare for a running back. Excellent hands. You saw it again today. He made multiple catches downfield today, so more of the same from, from Ray Davis. And what's crazy is, you know, when you talk about pass game specialists nowadays, you think of a guy like Jameer Gibbs who's only 200 pounds or, or even less than 200 pounds. Ray, Ray Davis, Davis is a big boy. He's almost 215. Runs with a lot of physicality, so yeah. he's, he's the package. Yeah, he's um he's certainly somebody we're going to be monitoring going forward. Uh, kind of a tough environment for quarterbacks to stand out, but you'll have more takes on them as the week goes on. I think quarterbacks where they solidify their standing is with the coaching staffs sure. and the interviews, and we're not going to be privy to that the private interviews. But um, a good first sign for Michael Penix, in my opinion, I thought he stood out. Um, some other players who really stood out. Hopefully this helped you in your early dynasty prep here uh, from Mobile, Alabama. We're uh, going to be catching. Um, we're going to be going downtown, I think, talking to people, hanging out, having a, having a little of food later, maybe rubbing some elbows. Hey, what'd you think of this guy? And then tomorrow we're back at practice. Um, Thursday, you head out of town. We're going to get more from Brett Whitefield. I was just the uh, the facilitator on this one, my name being Joe Dolan. The FSWA nominated Joe Dolan, I will say. Um, uh, that's the only time I'm going to call that out. But we had a we had a good day, Brett, um, with, with fantasy points, getting nominated in four different categories for, for the FSWA. Uh, we were nominated for um, Research Article of the Year, which I think Scott won last year. Um, we were nominated for Article of the Year with Brian Drake. Um, I was on for ongoing series with um, the mismatch 
Report. And then, of course, John Anson and Adam Kaplan and Paul Keller were nominated for Radio Show of the Year. So it's been a really special year at Fantasy Points. And it's about to get more special just because, you know, Brett's going to be putting out the prospect guide. You're already hard at work. Um, you've got the, you, you mentioned in the car ride back from the stadium, you're like, this is my favorite time of year. This yes. is what you, you chart every single damn NFL game, but this is your favorite time of year. This is why I got into the football business was to eventually be able to talk about the draft. So this this is my this is my sweet spot. This is my Christmas. Well, uh, Christmas is going to last for about three months here. So congratulations <laughs> uh, for Brett Whitefield at BG Whitefield on Twitter. My name is Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. Thanks everybody for listening. There's going to be another podcast tomorrow though. Make sure you check it out with Brett and Scott Barrett. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.